Welcome back to Principles with Corey and Logan. Hey guys, we've got another awesome, awesome episode for you guys today. And I'm super excited for you guys to get the opportunity to hear from our next guest. I think she's going to add a ton, a ton of value, especially um, if you're in the entrepreneur lane, you own a business or maybe even consider. And I know we talk a lot of people um, that listen to our podcast that you've, you've kind of been riding the fence about owning a business. I think today is your episode. Um, my, our next guest today, her name is Stephanie Novinskis. She is the CEO of Sizzle Force Marketing. It's a fractional CMO agency that services scaling companies. And I think what's awesome is that since 1995, She's been developing brand building marketing campaigns and get this used by companies like Starbucks, Quicksilver, the NFL and Cox communication with thousands of privately owned uh, companies as well. She's written for Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine as the author of an international number one bestselling, absolutely unforgettable, the Entrepreneur's Guide to Creating a Heart-Centered Brand and standing out in a noisy world. So, Stephanie, wow, that is awesome. Welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan. Thank you. I am so privileged to be here. Yeah, well, I know you're going to add a ton of value. And I know, Stephanie, I just shared a little bit about your background and, and what you do, but um, take us a little, take us on a little bit of a journey. Uh, that's what you do right now, but how did you get to where you are now? And how did you get to open up your own business and all that? kind of awesome stuff. We'd love to hear it. Yeah. So, well, I studied journalism back in the day. I think actually technically when dinosaurs roamed the earth, um, I graduated from college and then uh, immediately uh, fell into my first job, which actually was for a newspaper, because like I said, it was when dinosaurs ruled the earth. Right. And uh, this is pre.com if I'm aging myself at all. I started working for a newspaper, which was actually like the hot newspaper in San Diego where I live. And it was the paper everyone picked up. It wasn't your daily newspaper, but it was the paper everyone picked up if you wanted to have any kind of social life. And it would tell you what was happening in town and what the cool things were and all that stuff. Anyways, I decided instead of getting a job in the editorial department of the paper that I was going to get a job in the advertising department writing copy. So still using my writing skills, but writing ads instead of writing editorial stories. And uh, so that's where it all began after I graduated from college and um, worked in the newspaper industry for, I don't know, five-ish years, something like that. Moved up to a bigger paper, yada, yada. Um, then dot-com became a word. And um, I, I became part of that frenzy in the late 90s. And, uh, and then wireless became a thing. And I, I'm the kind of person that I like to be on the cutting edge of all things. And um, so I went to work for a startup that created, it was one of the first app development companies, actually. And um, funny little memory for you, we were developing an app uh, for the ski resorts. And this was when flip phones were all the rage. And, um, you know, we did not have the capabilities that we have now at all. And I remember one day we realized that the little asterisk symbol that we could make it animate down the screen and we could have a whole bunch of them fall like this. And that would indicate that it was snowing. 
<laughs> okay, come on. And we thought we were all that because of that, <laughs> because we realized we could create that. So funny, just what once used to be very thrilling now sounds like the most idiotic, archaic thing ever. And so be it. Marketing and technology changes, right? That's right. Um, I started my company in 2009. Um, I had a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old um, hanging off of my leg at the time. And um, I started it so I could be the mom I wanted to be, but also contribute to our financial needs. And here we are. That's it's awesome. been 27 years in the industry altogether. Wow, that's awesome. And, and and even just talking to you, I'd love to dive into some of the changes you've seen in the marketing world and uh, talking about being on the cutting edge where you see it going. But there's something I really want to ask you right there. So you started your business with a seven, a five and a two year old, right, Stephanie? Mm-hmm. I, I've kind of been there. I know what that's like to, I'm assuming before you made that decision, you were, you were working a, a job. Uh, I would assume, and and you had the had the paycheck that was coming in. Can you take us to that decision right there? And what 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 was it that inspired you to step across the line into entrepreneurship? Well, um, I will tell you the the really defining mark was when I got to a point in my career where I was doing so many exciting things, but they didn't align with my personal values all the time. Yeah. And uh, there was one particular campaign that I was asked to run that um, just did not sit with me. Right. And I felt like I was being really inauthentic to my own values um, in the name of profitability for the company and um, just had a real moral kind of moment And I was like, well, what's more important to me? And I decided my values were more important. And so, um, so that was that. It wasn't like an intentional, it wasn't a dream to always own a business. It wasn't, I didn't carry this for 20 years and say someday. It was more like, okay, so now what? Yeah. And, um, you know, I kind of have always just been a self-starter and a get her done kind of person. And I was like, well, why not this? Yeah. <laughs> and that's how it started. Wow, that's awesome. And and so just curious, um, was it successful from day one? Well, success can be defined in many ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, financially, was it successful from day one? Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, that is a process that I think you're continually optimizing until the day you stop running a company, Mm -hmm. right? I, you know, I'm still working. I was working on that this morning, (laughs) increasing profitability. Right. Um, But uh, no, financially, it it certainly was not successful from day one. Um, Was it successful in other ways for me? Yes, very much. It allowed me to stay home with my children. It allowed me to work a flexible schedule it allowed me to um, keep my hands on the pulse of marketing and what was working now, or I should say then, what was working then and, um, you know, developing my professional skills further 
but it was allowing me to do it while living the life I wanted to live as opposed to the, you know, the typical 60 or 70 hours a week I'd put in when I was at corporate. Yeah. I, I love, I love what you said right there, Stephanie. And I found myself in those positions as well. We, we transitioned out of work and into our first business. And then when we sold our, our businesses, the same kind of thing, it, it's kind of like we talk in our leadership lane about giving up in order to go up. You give up something of a lesser value in order to gain something of a greater value. But really to make that decision, you have to know what's of greater value. And and what I heard in your story right there is that your values were were of greater value, right? And, and, and I love the way you answered that question because sometimes um, we get caught up in the money aspect of it when the upside of lifestyle is is actually going to be greater. So I, I love what you, you said right there. That's you powerful. know, it's funny you bring that up, Corey, because I remember, you know, being, you know, just naturally ambitious. It's just how I'm wired, right? I remember starting my career and just my eyes were at the top of that ladder. I was going to the top at any cost. Okay. Now this was before I had kids, right? I, I was going to the top. I was I was going to become the you know the VP of marketing for a huge company, and that that's what was happening. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I do remember getting to, let's say, um, close to the top. Okay, close to the top, and I remember getting one particular job, and I walked in. And it was my first day and I had this huge, beautiful office and I had this fancy salary and all this stuff. And I, I don't know what it was about it, but I remember I sat down in my very overpriced chair that they gave me and I was sitting there and I was like, I've arrived. This is it. Wait, is this it? Yeah. Like, this is like, this is it. This is what I've been trying to go for. And I remember just feeling like this very strong disappointment. Like, I thought it was going to be different than this. And this is on the first day, right? I was going through, I was like having this emotional like dialogue inside, like, oh, and um, yeah, I didn't, let's just say I didn't last too long there. Right. And I was just like, this is, there's so much more to life than this. And to me, you know, I always think about like when I'm an old lady sitting on a porch and a rocking chair, looking back on my life, am I going to say, I'm so glad I worked 80 hours a week? Or am I going to say, I'm so glad I got to invest in my family and my friends and making the world a little bit of a better place. So there you go. Yeah, that, that's powerful. I love that. And, you know, a lot of people have a hard time making that decision because in the moment it it, it is tough. You, you start to do the pros and the cons, but you, you said you made your decision quickly. And there's something that I like to do in, in, in our leadership stuff is that's help figure out what your values are up front. Whenever you know those values up front, it does make the decisions a little bit easier. You inherently knew what you valued and you saw that something was going to take you away from the things that you truly value. So mm -hmm. 
That's powerful. I love that. So, so you got your you got your business. You guys have been blowing and going for a few years, several years now, making an impact. And you kind of touched on it that you've seen market shift and and change. And I'm not going to hold you to this, okay? So, so what you say next? You're just guessing, right? Uh oh. <laughs> so kind of you know with what you've seen in the past with marketing and, and from the marketing lens, uh, where do you see marketing going? kind of right now, the direction um, right now, I was just kind of curious. I think um, people are, well, let's talk about the social space of marketing specifically. Okay. Um, I think as sad as it is, like how our country is divided, right? We're very divided politically. And there's a lot of heat on both sides of the fence, let's say. Um, I think that that is going to become a core factor in the decisions people make as far as where are they going to spend their time, where are companies going to put their advertising dollars, et cetera, et cetera. So for example, Elon Musk taking over Twitter, okay, you've got the Elon fans and you've got the Elon haters, right? Right now, there's like a mass exodus of people, advertisers on Twitter, companies that are like, we, you know, I was reading something the other day, uh, Playbill, you know, the company like that does all the Broadway shows, right? Put out a statement that said, we're out, we're gone, right? Um, and they're one of a, a bajillion of them, you know, they have tons of employees that are leaving either by will or by force, right? Um, they have tons of users that are like, no way, I'm out. But then they also have this whole new crop of people that are like, I'm here for it, let's go. You know, advertisers and users. And I think that media, you know, it's, it's already been doing this to some extent, you know, you have your Fox group and you have your CNN group, right? And I just think that's going to become even more clearly defined mm. where people aren't just going to hang out in places because it's where they hang out. I think it's going to be a very deliberate thing of, I'm going to go find my people and this is where I'm going to spend my time. And this is where I'm going to spend my money. And this is where I'm going to position my company to grow and so on and so forth. Wow. So, that's yeah, that's a, that's that's what I think we're we're looking at, especially in this next year. I think I think we're going to see some pretty radical shifts. And I think a lot there's going to be a, a lot of movement, a lot of a lot of people that have you know, been on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever their thing is for X many years, I think there's going to be a lot of movement with people being like, yeah, I'm done with this. I'm going over here. Mm. Yeah, that, that's interesting. And I can kind of see that with what you're saying. It seems to be getting more polar. And um, it, from a business perspective, uh, it could help you define your audience, which one to, to pour your money into if you're advertising, I guess you would say, or, or speaking to an audience. That's interesting. Well, yeah. And here's the thing. A lot of times um, when I talk with different companies, they get really nervous to align themselves with 
uh, any sort of political or religious type front, right? And um, one thing that I, I always encourage people to do is I'm like, look, everybody's not going to like you. Everyone's not going to be your raving fan. And so pick your people. Mm. Who do you really want to serve? Who do you really want to attract? Who do you really want to help with your product or service? Oh, you want a super highly conservative audience? All right. Well, now is probably a good time for you to maybe look at Twitter. Okay. Oh, you want a super, you know, liberal audience? Oh, now might be a good time for you to look at such and such, right? Um, And don't be afraid to pick a side because that is where raving fans are created when you do pick a side, right? If you try to please all and be all things to all people, you kind of just, you just kind of like static, right? You're static noise. You're not actually creating raving brand advocates and that is what you want and that is what creates money yeah that's powerful i I think i heard the uh what is it jack welch he talked about getting out of the people pile and uh and that's exactly what you're talking about from a marketing uh, standpoint for businesses that is really really powerful of of not trying to be all things to all people i like it yeah so i i know you you have your own um marketing business and and it's a fractional cmo agency all right so so stephanie tell me tell me what that is and how you help uh business owners or businesses in general okay so um in the corporate world you have something called the Mm c-suite and the c-suite is the ceo um the cfo the chief financial officer the cmo the chief marketing officer the CTO, the chief technology officer, and so on and so forth. There's a whole bunch of C-suite positions, right? Um, That's when, you know, we're talking about big corporate. Smaller businesses obviously don't have something like this. Uh, They have the business owner who sometimes will call themselves the owner, the founder, the CEO, depending on, you know, where they came from and what they're familiar with. The CMO, when I say fractional CMO, fractional is a fancy word for part-time, okay? Um, CMO means a chief marketing officer. It means somebody who is a senior level marketing talent, somebody who who is very seasoned, who is uh, able to create marketing strategies and Uh, They're not just fun ideas, but they're backed by data and they're backed by years and years and years of proven results. Okay. So our agency today is uh, a fractional CMO and implementation agency, which basically means that I come in as the fractional CMO. I'm your senior level marketing talent that's going to set your strategy straight, right? And that could be everything from identifying your ideal clients and really, really doing a deep, deep dive into what makes these people buy to um, developing a marketing calendar, to um, 
identifying what truly makes you different from everybody else in the marketplace that sells a similar product and service and so on and so forth. Now, I have an implementation team as well because it's it's great to have a plan and it's great to have a calendar, but then you need the people to put the blood, sweat and tears into making it come to life. And that's everything from, you know, creating your writing your social media posts and creating your graphics to uh, creating an email campaign to um, your website, to your videos, to all, all the things. And so I have a, a full staff of um, marketing experts who provide those implementation services. Wow. So basically you're getting the high level services of a large corporation who would have somebody that's a CMO, that chief marketing operation operator. Uh for your business, your small business or your department or, or whatever, but you still get that high quality service at part-time and, and fractional fractional time, right? Yeah, well, fractional time and a fraction of the cost. Yeah. So what we figured out not too long ago is that an average company is going to invest a minimum of half a million dollars a year in having a team like ours if they have them full-time. Okay, that, that's not including benefits and bonuses and blah, blah, blah. Okay, it's an ob obscene a lot of, of money for most small business owners are like, home, oh, no way, you know? <laughs> uh, so we come in at a fraction of the time and a fraction of the price. So you can get our entire team, this fractional CMO and the implementation team for about $120,000 a year, which is the cost of one mid-level marketing manager in most companies, but you can get the whole team. Yeah. And, and, and marketing, um, as anybody who's listening knows that that's, that's what drives the funnel, right? It's it, the goal there in any type of marketing is for it to not only pay for itself, but to exceed the money that's going out for marketing. Of course. Of yeah. course. That's well, awesome. and and there's also brand equity, right? So one thing that is important to differentiate is, yes, there are certain activities that drive qualified leads that then can turn into sales. But there's also a lot of value that goes into just building the brand and making sure that people know you exist. Because if people don't know you exist, they can't buy what you sell, Right. And so some of it, while it can be more difficult to translate into direct dollars, for example, let's say social media as an example, right? You've got a, a, you know, a presence on three different platforms and you're there and you're showing up all the time, right? Do you get paid for it? Probably not unless you're an influencer, right? Um, if you go on social media and you're constantly saying, buy, 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 buy my stuff, Nobody wants to follow you, right? Um, so you're showing up, you're positioning yourself as an expert resource, you know, an expert in your industry and somebody who really has value to give the world, the people that are interested in whatever it is that you sell. And there's tremendous value in becoming an authority, in becoming a game changer, in becoming somebody that when people think of oh i need to work with someone who does blah 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 
you're the first person that comes to their mind. Yeah, that's powerful. Positioning uh, the business as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I know you guys have worked with all kind of organizations, all kind of businesses, small, large, medium, those kind of things. Hey, curious for you right now, what do you see as some of the mistakes owners make when they're trying to market their small business? Um, what are some of those mistakes and maybe how to even avoid those mistakes? Yeah, the biggest mistake hands down that I see people make is jumping into tactics without a strategy. Okay, mm-hmm. now those are some fancy marketing words. So let me translate. That means creating a website, you know, uh, establishing your presence on the social media platforms of your choice, et cetera, without any strategy. Just being like, well, I've got a business now. I guess I better get a website. And so then you see a commercial for a build your own website company that says you can move your website in 30 minutes even if you don't know anything about how to do it. And you're like, I'm in. And so people do it. And then they, you know, they start being active on the various social media platforms. And, you know, maybe they, you know, buy ad space uh, somewhere, whatever it looks like. Okay. But they do it all with a very vague at best strategy in mind. It's more like, well, I know I sell this. And this is the name of my company. And so I'm just going to hang my shingle out there and wait for everyone in the world to show up and line up around my building to get in the doors and buy all my stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't work that way. And what happens most of the time is people spend either a lot of time or a lot of money or a combination of the two creating the website, creating the social media, doing all the things, but they don't have the strategy. And then they realize they hung their shingle and nobody's coming. Mm -hmm. Or the people that are coming are all the wrong people. I mean, I'm sure they're lovely as humans, but they're not the customers that we need, okay? To, To run a profitable company. And so then they get real discouraged and they're like, but I did my website and I did all the things that the, the gurus say I'm supposed to do. I did them all. I did them all. Why? Oh my gosh, my business is failing. Forget it. I'm going to go get a nine to five, you know, and you spiral down from there. When in fact, if you just slow down and take a few steps back and look at things from a strategic perspective, and really plan things out and then work on improving all the tactics, then you see a massive difference in your results. Yeah. Massive. And I, I mean, I have many, many clients, many clients who have been in business for 20, 30 years and they never did this. They literally got lucky, yeah. right? But they also put themselves into some very dangerous situations, right? You know, I can't tell you how many companies I've worked with that are, you know, 80% of their revenue is based on one client that they have. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and what happens when that one client pulls the plug? You're out of business. Or what happens if those referrals that you so uh, passionately say, oh, well, we're referral based only. What happens when those dry up? Because they will, 
at some point. It's just the way it works. So yeah, the biggest problem, not creating your strategy. And it doesn't matter if you've been in business for a year or 10 years or 50 years. You need a current strategy. Yeah, that's good. So, um, and and I know that's something you guys do is work on creating that strategy. And, And it's probably, I would assume... There are some principles that apply, but it's probably very specific to the individual and, and that kind of business and all. But if there was one kind of first step, like all the way back, it's day one for me. I decide I'm going to get my LLC. I'm going to hang my shingle tomorrow. Uh, what is the very first step in that implementation that you would you would recommend for me? If I'm a, I'm a speaker, or a coach, a trainer, those kind of things, uh, what's the one step, that first one? Uh, know your audience. Who do you want to sell to? And, you know, there's 20 million customer avatar slash ideal client slash target market. It's called a billion different things. It means the same thing. Okay. There's 20 million free exercises online that you can find. The problem with them, (laughs) you know, you get, you get what you pay for when you use a free resource a lot of the time. Okay. The problem is that most of them just cover the bare basics Mm -hmm. and it'll be like, well, how old is your customer? Are they male or female? How much money do they make in a year? Things like that, which those are important things to know, but that, that's not the information you need to know in order to find your buyers. You need to, you need to know what really makes them tick. You need to know what freaks them out. You need to know what keeps them up at night. You need to know what is, you know, why are they not going to believe your pitch, Mm. right? What's going to stand in the way? Like, what are they skeptical about, right? And how are you going to overcome it, right? What do they value enough? You know, are they price shoppers or are they value shoppers or are they something else shoppers, right? Mm. You You need to really, really know your people. I like to say, I know my customers better than they know themselves. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is um, I've, I've started doing some of that on my own. I, I you know, just <laughs> trial and error, uh, learning the hard way. Um, what, what's interesting is you start down that path, you start kind of doing exactly what you talked about. You start finding or attracting those customers that are ideal and you, the, um, what I found when I didn't, when I wasn't clear on that was the sales cycle was so long, but because I was trying to qualify everybody, right? Like everybody was, I was trying to get everybody to be my customer. And uh, I know one of the things that you speak on, Stephanie, is uh, is kind of narrowing your market and how you can actually double your income by <laughs> narrowing your market. I Can you, you, you got anything for us on that or uh, care to share some of that? Yeah, it goes back to that whole thing of trying to please all people and you don't really please anybody. You just kind of become static, right? I get it. It's scary. It's scary to pick a side, right? Because you're like, well, why would I do that? I'm going to totally limit every opportunity I have. You are going to limit your opportunities. You know what else you're going to do? You are going to be seen as a true expert and a specialist, and people pay more for specialists, okay? Right? If you, I mean, th- let's let's take it to an analogy that I think everyone can relate to, right? 
if you um if you have a problem with your health let's say you have a brain tumor something horrible okay you have a brain tumor do you want to go see your primary care doctor about your brain tumor or do you want to go see a brain surgeon mm -hmm. okay yeah. Brain surgeon. Um, yeah you want to go see a brain surgeon and we all know the brain surgeon is going to make a lot more than the primary care doctor, right? The primary care doctor is the generalist, right? They know a little bit about a lot of things. The brain surgeon really knows the brain. And they are seen as a specialist. They're paid as a specialist. They're sought after as a specialist, okay? And they're sought after by clients as a specialist, but also in other ways, the media, okay? If you want to get free PR, become a specialist in something, right? You know, it, when a journalist is, is writing a story about something and looking for an expert, they're not looking for the generalist who can talk about everything. They're looking for the specialist that can be like hone in on this one very specific issue. Like my husband owns a company. He owns an architecture firm. And, you know, he could build anything. Could he do a skyscraper? Sure. Could he do somebody's house? Sure. You know, he could do anything. But he doesn't. He focuses on the affordable housing niche. And because of that, you know, there was a, a story um, in Apple News not too long ago. And he got featured in this major story, right? He could, he could never have paid for coverage like that, but it's because he's a specialist in this one zone, right? And that can happen to any of us. You become a specialist, yeah, you're gonna limit your market. And that's actually an awesome thing because you're gonna get paid more, you're gonna get seen more, and you're gonna be viewed more as an authority in that space. Why would you not want that? Yeah. That's powerful. And uh, I think everything you said right there is spot on. It's just sometimes so hard for us as entrepreneurs to uh, to grab a hold of that. But what you just said right there is really powerful. Um, you're right. Your husband, I mean, he couldn't have paid for that kind of uh, yeah. exposure. That is really, yeah. really well, uh, Stephanie, you have added a ton, a ton of value to our listeners. And I, I know you've got a book. Um so if somebody were just kind of curious, interested where to get that book, how would they how would they get a copy of that? Yeah, you can. It's on Amazon. You can get it at Barnes and Noble, any of the big bookstores. Right. It's called Absolutely Unforgettable, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Creating a Heart Centered Brand and Standing Out in a Noisy World, which I know is an obnoxiously long title. Um, <laughs> but, you know marketers got to do what a marketer's got to do to get those keywords in. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, the, you know, the main title is absolutely unforgettable. You can find it, um, on Amazon. That's the easiest way. Wow. That's good. Well, what about, uh, say we've got an entrepreneur listening, somebody that's needing help. They want to, they need somebody that's high quality. That's going to help them build their brand. Also help their marketing. How do they get in touch with you, Stephanie? Well, thank you for asking. I, I would love to talk to 
um, anyone who is running a company that they're trying to scale, they're actively trying to scale. I will tell you that we are a good fit for companies that are already doing uh, revenue of over a million a year. So it, when, when you're just starting out, you're, you're not quite ready for us. Um, you will get there. I'm sure you will, but you're not quite ready at that point. Um, we're going to cost too much and you're going to freak out. <laughs> so, but when you get to that point of, you know, our sweet spot, our companies that are doing two to 10 million in revenue every year. And when you get to that spot, you can find us at sizzleforce.com. Sizzle like bacon, force like may the force be with you. And, um, you know, if you're not at that over seven figure mark right now, you know, by all means, check out our blogs. We write some killer blogs that will help you get there, right? That'll help you get there. And um, so sizzleforce.com. Uh, also, if you just want some help figuring out what you should do right now to market your company, right? I mean, because there's a million things you could do, but what should you do is the million dollar question. Uh, I have a quiz that will help you figure that out and it's free and you can find it at sizzleforce.com forward slash quiz. Sizzleforce.com slash quiz. We'll make sure to put that in the show notes. You guys can uh, click that link and take that quiz, see where you're at. And uh, Stephanie added a ton of value, like I said. And uh, if, if you're if you're not at that point, like she said, and you're still wanting to grow your business or, or maybe even just dipping your toe into the entrepreneur lane and want to know more about how to market, follow her blog. She's got some great stuff right there. And I know it'll add a ton of value to you. So Stephanie, I really appreciate your time today. Um, you did. I, I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to get to know you some here. And uh, you did add value to our listeners. So thank you for your time today, Stephanie. Yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you for taking a listen to Principles with Corey and Logan. If this has added value to you, make sure you like, subscribe. Comment below if you got something that you want us to pass along to Stephanie. You've got her contact information, but you can comment, you can email us, and we'll pass that along to her. So we hope you have an awesome day, and God bless.